So we've been talking about being wide open and really getting a different picture of generosity. And so I was thinking about that this week and thinking about some of the, the challenges of that. And so I thought, about, I thought about, and some of you might relate to this if you're a parent here or a teenager here today, that like, have you ever noticed that when, you're, when you give your kids money, that they're very generous with your money. Like, have you ever noticed this? Like, when you, like, when I give my teenagers money to, like, get something to eat, for example, I almost never get change. They're super generous with that, right? Sometimes they come back and they say things like, well, Dad, like, my friends were out with me, so I paid for their meal too, right? Like, how generous am I, Dad? Look at me. Like, I'm super generous, right? Like, have, or when you're, when you're, maybe when your kids were younger, right, like you gave them money to buy a present for their sibling, and they got really excited about it, and they're like, yeah, and then they became a teenager, and then they're like, well, you buy the present now on your dime, and suddenly it's like, wow, well, here's a pack of gum, Dad. Like, this is what I, I got you as a present, right? Because there's this innate struggle in generosity, right? And parents, you, you got to admit that sometimes you thought this, right, when your kids when you gave your kids money and they spent it generously, you, you were celebrating it on the outside. Like, well, that was so generous that you did that for them. But on the inside, and maybe this actually came out of you as well, and you're like, oh, man, I said that aloud. But you, you actually said thoughts and like, you are so generous with my money. Like, do you know how hard I worked to get that money? Do you understand the value of a dollar? You know, we... We say all these things on the inside because on the inside, we're not thinking generously. We're thinking about our limitations, right? We're thinking about not like what we could do with what we have, but rather what we don't have. And so it, we struggle. And Forbes magazine, I was reading an article in Forbes magazine this week, and they, they talked about this as scarcity thinking, that there's this two kinds of thinking that people have, and a lot of people have this idea of scarcity thinking, and scarcity thinking is when we focus on our limitations, when we focus on this is all I have, and so I I can't have, and so I can only, it's not about what I could do with what I have, but rather what I can't do because of what I don't have, and I think this is actually one of the most challenging things about generosity, because I think a lot of times we think about generosity, and when we start thinking about giving away and being generous to others, the, the words that come up in our minds sometimes are if only, right? Well, if, if only, right? Like we hear somebody else's story of generosity, and we think, well, if only I had that much money, then I could be generous. If only I had a little bit more, then I could be generous. If only this thing wouldn't have happened, then I could be generous, right? If only I had that job or that place or that thing, then I could be generous. And the truth is we're fo- so focused on our limitations that our if-only thinking doesn't just affect our present, it affects all of our future. Because once we say, if only, we continue to say, if only. Right? We don't just stop saying, well, once we get that job, we don't stop saying, well, if only, you know, I, well, I got that job, but now if only I had the promotion. Right? Once I get that raise, it's like, well, if only, now I wasn't on a different tax bracket. Like if only, and we start to feel limited and trapped. And we all start thinking like, well, if only all this happens, I'll be future in some generous, like the future me will be generous. But the future me never gets here because I'm thinking about limited. How limited I am. 
And so here's what I want to invite you today. I want to invite you to just identify that and then put it over here to the side for a second and think, what would happen if I thought differently? What could happen if I thought about my life in a more abundant way? And not thought about like how limited I am, but rather how unlimited God is. Like how unlimited my faith would be if I could put that aside for a second, stop saying if only, and start saying, God, why don't I invite you into this? Why don't I rely on you as my provider? Why don't I experience you as my provider? Because there's one thing to say like, ah, yeah, God's my provider. It's another thing to experience God as your provider and believe it is true. Now, several weeks ago when we started this conversation, we started in Matthew chapter 6, and in that conversation, we talked about Jesus saying, like, you got to believe in God first. Like, don't trust money, trust God. And then we, we referred to one part of Matthew 6, which is a really powerful part, and Jesus talked about this. It's like, God actually wants to provide for your daily needs. In Matthew chapter 6, verses um, 25 through 27, there's this whole passage about Jesus saying, listen, he cares for the birds and the lilies of the field. Like, he cares for all that and, and takes care of it. And you're so much more important than that. He's going to care for your daily needs too. He wants to care for you. You're so much more valuable to him. You can trust him as your provider. And Jesus, Jesus wasn't the first one to say this. In fact, this is a theme throughout Scripture. Did you know that? It actually starts in Genesis. Genesis chapter 22, we're introduced, we're introduced a little earlier to a man named Abraham. But in Genesis 22, Abraham induces, introduces this idea as God as our provider. In a pretty monumental situation, Abraham, who, who incidentally was probably one of the most generous people that we know of in the Old Testament, who was always generous and always believing that God would provide, in a monumental, sacrificial situation, God provided for him, and he gave God a name. He gave us a name for God. He said, I want you to know who God is. And so in Hebrew, this is what he said. He said, We're, this is God's name, Jehovah Jireh. God, this is who you are. He said, you are Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord provides. The Lord provides. This isn't just like what God does. This is like who God is. And isn't it easy for me and for you in the daily grind of our life? You know, the, the get up, tomorrow you're going to go to work. You're going to work all day. You're going to have problems. You're going to have things that you need. You're going to like grapple, and you're grappling with this idea of generosity while you're working really hard, and you're trying to figure out how to provide ends meet, and, you know, to think, you know, pay, the paycheck comes at the end of the week, and you're like, yeah, I worked hard for that. I worked hard for that paycheck. I provided for myself. Isn't it easy for us to say, I trust in that paycheck, but I really haven't thought about how God provided and it's very limited because you can only get then that paycheck. That's all you get. Only what you can do is what you can get, what you can have. You're the only one who you can count on to provide. And it is, I think there's just more to faith than that. I think there's, God's inviting us to something more. Isn't it possible, right, for us to get up in our daily grind, to go to work, and to realize God gave me the ability to work. God gave me the connections to get this job. God provided me with the vehicle I drove to work this morning. God provided me with all the God. God makes this vehicle last 
and it's not limited, and it's not going to break it. God is doing all of this, and God is prompting other people. Have you ever had that moment? God prompted someone to help you out when you needed it. You went, wow, maybe God is a provider. And we're, we're tempted to say, like, oh, am I going to trust in my limited ability to provide, or am I going to trust in God as my provider? Now, if you move from the place of trusting in yourself and your limits to a place of trusting in God, I want you to think about this for a second. What if that means you're a little bit more free? Like you're, you're a little bit more unlimited. Like what if you stopped focusing on your personal limits and started thinking about, God, what could you do with all of this stuff that you've given me? I mean, isn't there freedom in the idea that like, I don't own it. God doesn't, and I, I, God created all things. And if God, if this is really true, that God is actually interested in providing for your needs and providing for others' needs through you. What if that was true? And that's, that's been the question I've been asking myself. I've been thinking about what's it mean to be wide open to you, God, like to throw open the doors of my heart and to be wide open to you and trust that you are throwing open the doors of your heart. And as I think about that and I grapple with that, I think, what? and this is, the, this is the questions that have been coming up for me. What do I really believe about money? Like, what do I really believe about God and who God is? Because in that space is the place where I become wide open to him. Because if I don't know who God is and if I don't know what I believe about money and I can say all the things I want about this, the truth is I want to know what I really believe. And you know what the difference is? Like, between what you say you believe and what you really believe? Because I think some of you know this, right? We don't, we don't believe what we say. We believe, we, we believe what we actually do. Do you know this? This is kind of the way it works in our life with God. We don't, we don't actually believe what we say. We believe what we do. Here's what I mean by that. You, you merely saying, I, God, you're my provider, and then not acting like God is your provider, means that there's a, there's a problem in there, right? There's a dilemma. There's a disparity in there between I say that God's my provider, but I really act like I'm, the, I'm limited. I, I'm really thinking in scarcity and just what I can provide. I'm worried about my money. I'm worried about what could be next. I'm thinking about how I get it home. I think about that if only. I relate to if only. And if all that's true, then you can say that the Lord is your provider, but what you believe is true. And here's, here's the truth. It's when we, when we actually live like something is true, that's when we believe it. When we actually live as if it were true. So if we, were, if we actually live like the Lord is our provider, if we actually live like that was true, then we would know. It was, it's like if we actually act on it. Now, when I was... Um, in my 20s, um, I did a lot of um, work with youth, with students, and I love working with students. Um, I still love working with students because they're super honest and real, and they'll tell you the truth, right? And they don't have all the hang-ups that we adults have in terms of like, oh, I got I to gotta make myself look good, I got to give the right answer. Like, they'll just tell you the way it is. And so I love that about students. But we, we would talk about this a lot, and we used to tell this story to help students understand what it means to put your faith into action, what it means to actually believe something. And the story, maybe you've heard it before, was about um, a name, a, a guy that used to that walk called Blondin the Great. He walked across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. 
And as the story would go is that Blondin the Great would walk across Niagara Falls on a tightrope, and he would do all these tricks, and he had this wheelbarrow, and he would put bricks and stuff in the wheelbarrow, and he'd do all these tricks on the wheelbarrow, and every the crowds would cheer, and he'd come back after being across there, and he'd come back to the wheelbarrow, and he'd take all the bricks and stuff out, and he said, now, how many of you believe I could do that again? And everybody would cheer and say, yeah, you can do it again. And he'd say, okay, who will get in my wheelbarrow? Right? And the crowd would silence, of course, right? And this is, and, and we used to end the story there, but I've read that there's actually an addendum to the story that one person out of the crowd finally actually walked up and said, I will get in the wheelbarrow. And you know who it was? It was his mother. She said, I, I believe that you are who you say you are. I'll get in there. I have that kind of relationship with you. And if you say you can do it, I believe that you'll do it. Now, that, that story, whether I don't know whether it's really true or not, but it's true for us in principle, isn't it, when it comes to our money? Like, will we actually trust God as our provider? And I think this is so core to what Jesus said and why Jesus said the things that he said, and we're going to unpack what Paul says and why he says the things that he says, but there's this core truth that I think Jesus understood and Paul understood and Abraham understood and it's throughout the scriptures that people of faith understood and walked in this and the core truth is this, that God wants to lovingly provide for us if we'll entrust our well-being to him. That God wants to lovingly provide for us but in order for us to be lovingly provided for, in order for us to experience God as our provider, not just say that he's our provider, not just believe that we believe that he's our provider, but to actually experience him as our provider, we have to entrust our well-being to him and say, I'll get in the wheelbarrow, God. I'll actually believe that you can take care of me because that's who you are. So here's what I want to do today. I'm going to unpack um, a little bit of scripture that the Apostle Paul writes. Now, Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament, and some of you know this, Paul was a missionary. Paul actually... Sometimes he worked for food. Sometimes he was supported. Paul was this incredible, like, change the course of history kind of person. He was always engaged in life-changing things. He took risks without fear. He never, he never seemed to be, like us, uptight about a whole bunch of things. Like, oh, I don't know if we can go there and do that. Like, he was all in with God, and he experienced things of God that we only just dream of that we could experience what he did with God, the kind of close relationship with God that he had. And so I look at Paul's life and I go, okay, what enabled Paul to live this way? What helped him really grasp what this meant to trust God this much? And I believe that he knew that God was his provider. And I don't mean that he theologically knew it. I mean that he actually lived as if it were true. He actually took steps of faith that said, this is what's true. And so I want to look at a little passage from 1 Timothy 6 where he's writing to his mentee, Timothy, to say, I want you to understand what this means. Right? I want you to really grasp this. And um, so we're going to look at it, and, and the, the whole verse is up here on PowerPoint. What's in your outline is missing a section, and that's just to help you use your Bible and Bible app here this morning. So that's, that's why that's like that. And no, no, it's not. But anyway, so here, here it is. We're going to read through it this morning. So here's what Paul says to Timothy. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud. So teach those who are rich in this world. You, you hear it? Not to just like, hey, look at me. Look what I did. Teach them not to just like go, 
I showed up, I worked, I got that money, I put that savings away, I did all of that. Teach them not to use I statements. Teach them that it's not about what they did. Paul says, teach them not to trust in their money. Well, why, Paul? Why would I not want to trust in my money? I mean, that savings account makes me feel good. That, now, the fact that I make money makes me feel good. Why wouldn't I want to trust in my money? Paul says, because money is so unreliable. You can't count on it. Boom, there it is. Paul says, listen, it is so easy to trust in your money. But when you compare trusting in your money or trusting with God, like God is so much more trustworthy. But it is so easy to trust in your money. It is so easy to say, boy, my money will make me happy. I'm just going to go ahead and swipe by now on Amazon. I don't need to pray about it. I think that thing, I didn't even know I needed it a second ago, but Facebook had an ad up, and now I know I need it. So I'm just going to go ahead and swipe it and get it, right? Because, man, I'm going to trust in my money. It's going to make me happy. Or, or, you know, it's so easy for us to look at our savings account and say, oh, look how big that is. Mmm. It's so easy for us to trust in our money, but we, we might know that it's unreliable because we've felt it and we have experienced it. And here's the irony of all of this, okay? Just a little irony for you this morning, all right? How many of you have like a dollar bill or a coin in your pocket? Anybody have any of that this morning? Anybody carry any of that? Come on, pull it out. I won't make you take an offering, I promise. Maybe. Once you get it, I don't know how big a bill is, we might take an offering. But here, here it is. So... Pull that, if you pull that out, some, some of you know this, right? What's it say on there about trust? Huh. Isn't that interesting? Every time you handle currency, you hear Paul in the background saying, don't trust in this. It's unreliable. Trust God. Do you know this wasn't always part of the dollar bill? Anybody know that? Anybody know when it actually got on our currency? This is actually kind of really interesting. It wasn't on the currency until the Civil War. And when the nation was about to fall apart, people wrote the Treasury Secretary and said, listen, we don't know if this grand experiment's going to work or not. We don't know if this whole America thing is going to fall apart. We don't know if tomorrow we won't have anything, we won't be able to make income. We have no idea. So will you do this one thing for us? On the currency, will you put in God we trust because that's the only thing we can really count on. All the rest is unreliable. Isn't that powerful? To think about that that way. In God we trust. We lose everything else and we can still trust in God. And it brings up this question for us, right? In whom or what do I trust? Where do I put my trust in that's going to be providing for me? And so this is what Paul says. He says, don't trust in your money. It's unreliable. Now, have any of you learned this lesson already? Like you invested in the stock market, right? And you learned that it was unreliable. I once got a whole bunch of shares from Rite Aid in the 90s when I worked at Rite Aid Corporation. And um, that was back in the days of Martin Grass. And for those of you who are local, you know the story of creative accounting there. And so I had all of this stock options. And I couldn't redeem them until a certain point. And by the time I redeemed them, they were worth very little, right? One day it was at $68 a share, and the next it was at 10 cents. You know, it's unreliable. How many of you have ever had, like, like my wife and I did this past year, like in six-month period, we had a dishwasher die, a refrigerator die, and a car die. 
in six months, right? It's like someone just set our savings account on fire, right? Like, have you ever experienced this? Because this is, this is the reality. Like, we, we put so much trust in our money, and this is what Paul's saying. It is so unreliable. It's not worth your trust. And so Paul offers us some advice about this. He offers us an alternative to this. He says, listen, their trust should be in God. And First Timothy says, their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Isn't this great? Do you hear what he's saying here? God's not cheap like you and me, right? He doesn't just like go, oh, okay, you, you, need, you need to go out to eat? Well, here's a dollar. See what you can do with a dollar. Like, that's not who God is. God says, he says, I want to give you stuff for your enjoyment. I'm not holding out on you. Paul says, listen, you can trust him in this. He says, so listen, tell them to use their money for themselves. No, he says, tell them to use their money to do good, to make a difference in the world, in good works, be generous to those in need, share with people at all times. He says, because here's, here's the thing, as you begin to share with others, here's what happens. By doing this, and if you were here week one, you remember Jesus saying something very similar to this, right? Don't store up your treasures on earth. Remember that from Jesus? Store up your treasures in heaven. Paul says, by doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience life. He says, listen, Jesus said it, I'm saying it, you got to act as if you believe that God is your believer. you got to begin to live as if that were true. And here's the freedom in it. If that's true, if God is my provider, I don't have to be worried all the time about what if, what if, what if the economy goes south? What if I lose my job? What if, what if, what if all of this happens? Because I'm not relying on my employer for my paycheck. It's God who provides that. I'm not relying on anybody else for, like, providing for me God for that. I can give generously because I know that God will provide for me. I'm not even providing for myself. I, really, I can believe that God's going to provide for me. When my car breaks down and it goes south, I say, God, your car broke down. It went south. What do you want to do with it? It's not my car. It's your car, God. What do you want to do? Doesn't that feel a little freeing? Like some of you are like, oh, I panic when that happens. What if you didn't have to? What if you just said, God, your stuff, your deal. I'm going to enjoy what you've given me. And every time I use it, every time I do it, I'm not going to rely on, oh, if I get that thing, then I'll be happy. No, whatever I have even, I'm going to say, that gives me such enjoyment. And you don't know why? Not because that thing does that thing for me, but because it is a gift from God. For me because he loves me. That's beautiful. One of my favorite verses that I think, I think Paul thought this way. I know Jesus thought this way. I think their truth is based on this truth, and it certainly has been for me, is in Psalm 24. And it's a foundation of thinking this way as God is my provider. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. You hear it? In other words, God has created it. God owns it. 
And God is not running out of any resources anytime soon. Feel that? Like, if you really live that way, like, wouldn't that change everything? God created it. God owns it. And he ain't running out of it anytime soon. He's not like you and me. He's not limited. He's not like, oh, he's not up there in heaven going like, oh, no. Sean's refrigerator and dishwasher, but I don't know how. How are we going to come up with money for that? I don't know. Like, he's not up there fretting. He's up there smiling. Man, when you trust me, watch what I'll do. Watch how I'll provide. Watch how I'll take care of it. Like, that's what God wants. Like, what, what if you and I could really depend on God for care? Wouldn't that change a lot for us? And you already know what happens, like, if you, if you depend on yourself. You already know and experience what it means to just depend on yourself and to put God over here to the side, not, not depend on him. You already know what it's like to trust in money, right? Because you get frozen in fear, don't you? You start to worry about things that you wish you didn't have to worry about. I mean, you might, you might know that God wants you to be generous, but if you've got fear and uncertainty in your life, if you don't really believe that he's your provider, you're going to have so much fear and so much uncertainty, it's going to keep you from being generous. It's going gonna, it's gonna to force you to lose sight of something that's really important here. God owns it. He created it. And he ain't running out of it. He wants to provide for you. So let me just say something. This is important. Listen. By nature, by the very nature of faith, anytime you want to grow your faith and take a step towards God, anytime you take a step like that, you're going to decide to move into uncertainty, aren't you? Don't you know this? If, you're, if you've been trying to follow God, there is a certain level of uncertainty that if you want to follow God, where it feels just uncertain, like God's going to ask you to do something. I mean, the very nature of trust, right? Whether it's in a human relationship or a relationship with God, while founded on truth, includes a level of uncertainty. When someone says, I'll do this for you, there's a certain level of uncertainty of like, I'm going to actually have to trust them to do it for me. And I have to move into that. Anytime you want to increase your trust in God, it's going to increase your exposure to fear, to uncertainty. Because here's the truth, okay? Uncertainty is an essential ingredient, not only to fear, but to faith. It's a part of both. And again, if, if, you, if you surrender to God's will, you know this, that Without a little bit of unknown, there is no faith. Without a little bit of, like, I can step into that, and I believe it, and I want to understand it, I want to know it, God, I want to pursue you in it. Without a little bit of, God, I want to place my trust in you. We can never really know that he's really trustworthy. And so Paul encourages us to work this out in 2 Corinthians 9. And I love this passage because it's like Paul saying, listen, I want to teach you how this actually all works. In 2 Corinthians 9, he says, if you're going to take a step of faith, this is what steps of faith look like in trusting God as your provider and being generous. 2 Corinthians 9, he says, remember this, a farmer who plants a few seeds will get a small crop. Okay. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And so you've got to decide in your heart how to give. Because if you just want to plant a little bit, you don't, if you just want a little bit of faith, you just want a little bit of trust, then just do a little bit. But if you want to experience something generous, you want to experience God as your provider in a generous way, then you've got to be generous. You've got to plant 
faith. You've got to go after it with God. And he goes on to say, listen, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Don't give it because Pastor Sean said it. Don't give it because you felt pressured by somebody else. You're afraid that somebody else will think badly of you. Paul says, don't do it for those reasons because you want to know why? Because that's not about building a relationship with God. That's still out of fear. You're still just moving out of fear. He says, that's not the gospel. The gospel is that God loves you. He wants to provide for you. And so do it out of a joyful and cheerful heart. Do it because you're like, God, I want to take a step of faith because I want to actually experience you as my provider. I want to know that you are who you say you are. And so I want to take this step. And he says, and if you do that, he says, God loves that. He says, God will generously provide all that you need. And not only will he provide all that you need, you will have not only enough for yourself, but you will have plenty left over to share with others. Because this is his heart. Because trusting in God moves us from a place of fear to a place of faith. Because actually taking action helps us place our trust in God and say, Jehovah Jireh, he really does provide. I mean, he won't just provide for you. He'll provide through you that you might help others. You might change the world. Like, other people are going to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus. Other people are going to be healed. Other people are going to have their life changed. Other people are going to get to know God in a whole new way because of you, because of your generosity. That's God's desire, is that you know him in this way. And listen, what if you brought God into your finances? Like, what if you invited him to get involved? And say, God, I, I've been doing this all myself. And I would like you to get involved. I'd like you to actually be my provider. I'd like to invite you into this. Because you can do just the opposite, right? You can, you can actually stiff arm God. You can actually say, God, you stay over there. I'm going to keep you from getting involved. But the scripture and what Paul is talking about here is saying, take a step of faith towards him. To know him as your provider. Don't keep him out. And I know that part of that fear is like, well, what if, he comes in, what if I have hardship? Listen, there is nothing in Scripture that says we won't face hardship. I mean, Jesus himself said, expect it. And whether God's involved in your life or not, you can't control all the outcomes. You're still going to have hardship. The only difference is, are you going to have God involved in it? Are you going to say, God, I need you to be engaged in this. I want you to be here in this. Because it is possible that some of you are sitting here today and God's on the sideline of your life, of your finances, and he's, he's watching you struggle. He's watched you, like, just trust in money and be worried about it. He's watching you do all this stuff, and he's like, I want to engage. I want to get involved. I want you to be free from fear. And in my experience as a pastor, do you know when we know this the most? When things go wrong. When we do go through hardship, it's when we trust God the most. It's when we say, I, I need to trust God. I've never had anyone come into my office who's upside down financially and say, you know what? Thanks, Pastor Sean, for your encouragement. I'm, I'm gonna, let me close in prayer. And they said, God, you know, I've followed my plan all of my life, and it, it hasn't gone so well, but I think I can still do it. I think I can get myself out of this mess. So, you know, maybe my plan will still work. Why don't you go help somebody else? Right? Nobody ever says that. When they're upside down, when we're upside down, when we're facing crisis, we say, God, help, send money, do something. I need you. Now listen, 
if you can trust God to bail you out of crisis, can't you trust God not to get you into crisis in the first place? Can't you trust him to provide for you all the way through? And here's the challenge, and I think this is real for all of us. The challenge is, whenever we get into this place of generosity and we grapple, it doesn't feel good. Does it? It doesn't, there's, there's this, it's not going to feel right. And this is the trouble with fear, right? Fear clouds our judgment. Fear keeps us from thinking clearly. Fear, and you know this, makes us a little irrational. We don't think clearly when it comes to fear. And yet fear and faith go hand in hand. So here's the key principle I want you to walk away with today. When it comes to generosity, if you're going to take a step of faith and say, God, I want to trust you as my provider, it's going to go against your natural instincts. It's going to be like, man, I am not comfortable. I'm not 100% comfortable with this. Maybe I'm not even 50% comfortable with this, God. And if, and if you trust in all of your emotions, if you trust in just it doesn't feel right, you're trusting in yourself. You're trusting in the limitations. You're trusting in your emotions. And listen, I, I, I've, I've said this a lot of times before because this has been my experience in my life, and let me share you, I think, something that is true, that we get mistaken all the time. I hear it in Christendom in general when it comes to God's peace. People say, well, I'm waiting to feel a peace about it. Because they think the fruit of God's spirit, that is peace, that incidentally passes all understanding, is based on a feeling. So I'm waiting to feel peaceful about it. I, you know what? God's never asked me to do something hard where I felt peaceful about it. Because by the very nature of something like that, I don't feel peaceful. The fruit of God's spirit is not based on a feeling. It's based on truth. And that's the gap. Right? God says, listen, I want you to take me at my word. And you might not feel 100% comfortable with that. But peace isn't based on your feelings. Peace is based on the truth that I said I will provide. I am Jehovah Jireh. I do love you. I am interested in you. And I will do more than you could ever imagine. Imagine praying that kind of a prayer where you said, God, you provided all this. You're not running out of anything anytime soon. It's all yours, so help me to be generous. God, help me to take a step of faith. Now, I don't know where you are in that, but this is a real grappling experience, and you're not alone in it. I want you to hear from somebody who's in the, who's in the middle of it too and saying, like, God, how do I trust you in this? Let's watch his story. I met my wife, Victoria, back in 2010. Uh, her business was doing very well. I had a very secure job. Uh, we attained a lot of worldly possessions from all the world standards. We would have been considered very successful. Uh, at that time, we were tithing, but we didn't really feel it a lot because we were giving from a place of plenty. So we never really affected our day-to-day -day living. Fast forward a few years, uh, God took us down a different path. Uh, Victoria's business took a downturn. Um, we incurred a lot of personal and business debt just to keep the business afloat. At that time, we had to wrestle with, do we pay the debt? Do we pay our tithe? We prayed about it a great deal. Uh, we wrestled with what we should do first. What is our priority? Where we are today is we're still grappling, still asking God to allow us to live with our hands wide open 
uh, we feel like it's a act of a posture of surrender. And for me, it's a struggle of trust. It's a struggle of, will God really provide for me? Isn't that the truth? It's a struggle of trust. Will God actually provide for me? Will I actually move out into a place where I'm not comfortable to provide, to trust him as my provider? You know, I've had been having conversations with people throughout this whole conversation about generosity and people saying like, man, I, I want to be generous. The, like, like, I'm trying to figure out what's, what's the right number for me to be generous. And I just want to encourage you, like, don't make it about the right number. Because you're trying to find the right number based on it feels good or it feels right or, or God dropped it out of the sky and maybe that'll happen. But so often in our life, God says, I am more interested in my relationship with you than I am about an exact number. I'm more interested in you just trusting me as your provider. So take a step of faith towards me. Trust me with that. And that's different for every one of us. And I've heard like a couple, like lots of different stories. And it's occurred to me that there are three different ways, practical ways. And I just want to go through these really quick to help you understand like just three practical ways that I've heard stories that make sense. Like, oh, that's a great way to see God as your provider. Okay. So the first one I've heard, what I would classify this story in the category of lifestyle choices. And someone tell me like, listen, I've I felt like there's a lot of things that I've needed in my life that have become, that were I thought I needed, but I'm realizing they're just wants. And God's already given me something to give. They said, I, I, I went out, I, I would get like several lattes a day. And I'm like, I mean, I'm making this big investment into Starbucks. And I'm not making it into God's kingdom. I, I kind of want to go, God, you gave it to me. So why don't I just cut out my addiction a little bit? And it's going to free up God's resource. I thought, what a great story, right? I talked to somebody else, and I, I put this one in stored resources, right? Like, there are things that we have that we, we got to look at what we have and say, God, what you've given me, right? Someone has said, you know, I, I'm actually going out, and I, I've decided, like, you know, I, I've just been lazy. I've been thinking about this, but I, I needed to remortgage my house anyway. And now I'm just thinking about it. God, what can I do to just make my cash flow better so I can give? And, and honestly, like in my own life, like I, I've got, my wife and I have been talking about this for a year, that we have this boat. That we have a boat that we go out on, but we use it like two or three times a year. And when it's warm, we just don't, the weekend's a little full for us, right? So we, we don't get out as much as we'd like. And I've been saying like, I just, I don't know. I don't feel good about the way we use that. And so in, in this season, and we've talked about generosity, I feel like God's been saying to me like, yeah, I think, I think you're right. Like, why don't you put that towards the kingdom? It's just another way of, like, God moving in us. Or how about this one? This is another story I've heard, unforeseen provision. You know that, like, God, I'm going to trust you with this, and I'm going to trust you to provide for me. Someone actually told me the story of, you know, they were saying, like, we were really praying through this, and we, we had these needs coming up, and one of them was for our kids' braces. And we were like, man, I don't know, like, like maybe, like, how are we, I don't even know if we could be more generous. And they said, here's what we felt like God said to us. Why don't you go ahead and be generous? And then trust me to provide for your children. Begin to engage me as your provider. Won't that increase your trust in me? And they're like, yes. I'm like, wow, what a beautiful story about trusting God. And in the season that we're all in, and I've heard people say this, like, well, I don't know. I feel like I, I, maybe I, I don't know where I am in this. I just need a little more time. You know what I felt like? God, I don't know if it's more time that I need or just more intentionality. Just more willingness to just step out. And take a chance with him. 
And so I'm, I'm actually really excited. Tonight's our advanced commitment night for people to lead out in faith. We're going to go celebrate at that new property over on Oarsbridge Road that God provided and say, God, you provided this. We're going to go have a celebration there just to actually have an intentional time to be intentional about, God, what do you want to say to me? How can I take a step? I'd invite you to come out to it. It's going to be a beautiful experience. The way that that building is today will never be that way again. We're going to renovate it. It's going to change. But it's like the initial place of God's provision. And we're going to step out of that and say, God, and the whole service is going to be this beautiful expression of saying, God, we want to trust you. You have provided, and we want to, we want to move into a commitment with you. And the whole service is engaged that way. And some of you would be like, well, I do need a little time. And it is actually a little true. And so on, on the 17th of November, we're going to have a commitment Sunday. And on that day, you can fill out that commitment card. And we're going to have an intentional service designed just to help you to go, God, I want to have an intentional conversation to move into a space where you're my provider. And I love that this whole thing, like the idea of making a commitment over two years from me, I'm going to tell you what that's about for me. For two years, I'm going to have a focus and not be distracted to say I'm going to trust in money on myself. For two years, I'm going to say, God, this is about you. You provide. I want to build a relationship with you so that it might actually become true. It won't be just something I say I believe. It will become real for me. Now think about the implications for this if you really believe that God's your provider. What if tomorrow morning you woke up ready to go to work, and instead of thinking about, okay, I'm going to go to work, and I'm going to make a living, what if you woke up and said, God, I'm excited to go to work because I can do some kingdom giving. This is going to provide for me and for me to be generous to others. What if you woke up and you said, God, I can't wait to be generous to others. I can't wait to, to experience your generosity as I'm a part of that generosity to others. I can't wait to be a part of what my church, God, you're doing in my church family. I love that. God, I want to plant a harvest that's generous. Because I know that you'll resource it. Now, here's the thing. That is like upside down, totally counterintuitive thing, isn't it? It is totally opposite of what we might think. Because we do not associate our ability to buy groceries with giving to God's kingdom. And yet, throughout scripture, people of faith do all the time. You say, God's your provider. You can trust in him. And that's how God's economy works. He says, listen... If you will care about what I care about, if you'll move into trusting me in this way and build a relationship with me, I'll take care of you and you'll see it all over the place. If you'll invite me in to this area of your life and become wide open to me, you'll experience me in a whole new way. And that's how God's economy works. And that's how Jesus works. He is not limited by your paycheck. He's not limited at all. This is the invitation that I believe that God is offering us to be to trust him as our loving provider by taking our well-being and putting it into his hands in a very real way and saying, God, I'm going to trust you with that. So here's the question, I think, today. As we close, this is a question for all of us. Are you willing to jump into the wheelbarrow with God? I mean, you cheer for him. You say, hey, I'm super excited about that. But are you willing to actually jump into the wheelbarrow with God? Are you ready to act on what you say you believe so that it might become true for you to trust him as a relationship? Because here's the thing that I know about God, that you know about God, is God's not going to force his way in. As a gentleman, he is waiting. He's waiting for you to invite him. 
to be the Lord of your possessions. He's waiting for you to invite him to be your generous provider and for you to experience him that way. And what happens next? It's really up to you. You move into that space of saying, God, I, I want to believe you're a provider, and I, I'm going to take a step this direction. What's your next step in trusting God so that you can trust him as your provider? Will you bow your heads for a moment and just as a spirit of prayer, spirit of reflection, connection with God? I just want to ask you today, like, what is that step that God might be calling you to take? And maybe it feels uncomfortable, but you really want to trust God in that way. Like, I don't want to trust in my money, God. I don't want to be limited by my money. I don't want to be anxious about my money anymore. I want to trust you that you will provide. So this morning, I offer this prayer to pray right in your heart, right where you are. God, you are so generous. God, you are not running out of any resources anytime soon. You actually, God, you've actually promised that you'll provide for me so that I can help provide for others and be generous. So God, I'm going to take a step of faith today. I'm going to take a step of faith for you to be my provider. I don't want to just say it anymore. I want to believe it. I want to act on it. I want to know that it is true in the depths of my heart and my soul. God, I invite you to refocus me. From making a living to always thinking about kingdom giving, to relying on you. Help me to understand what kind of giving would help me overcome my fear, move into uncertainty, and grow my faith. God, that's a step I want to take. And I want to trust you. And I pray this in Jesus' name.